I bring the shame, pain, disgrace, disappointment. I bring it to the altar. I bring it to the divine exchange table. And you said, Lord, you will give me double for my trouble. You said, Lord, double recompense. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. I've been doing a bit of a chronological read through of First and Second Samuel, just really wanting to capture and understand this key of David that we've been talking about. Isaiah 22, 22, the key of David that opens doors no man can shut and shuts doors no man can open. And just studying the, the life of David. And uh, you can really, if you want to do a chronological read through, you can just go online and find a, a reading plan where you can see how they put together um, the events in First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings Chronicles with the different Psalms and then eventually the, the prophets that were speaking in to the different kings. And it's quite fascinating to see the historical context. Um, so I started in 1 Samuel 18 and I've just been working my way through and looking again at the life of David and then looking at the Psalms that were written at the same time in history to understand the context of what he was saying. And today I want to have a look at Psalm 23. It's probably the most iconic, well-known psalm in the world. Millions and millions of people will have memorized it. Give me a wave if you've memorized Psalm 23. If you haven't, highly recommended. Uh, I, I remember as a child, we, mum would play Keith Green and um, hallelujah. Hey, by the way, if you've got kids, you are the boss of the music, so you can actually play stuff that is going to input into their lives in the future. Hallelujah. And uh, it's important. It's important. What goes in is what will come out. And I, I find myself today, so many years later, things that were deposited in my heart in Sunday school and, and in the car with mum coming out because, you know, as, as we open our hearts and let the Holy Spirit speak to us, it's a good thing. Hey, VeggieTales is a good thing. Our, our kids had listened to the Donut Man and VeggieTales and all the things, but intentionally so that what goes in will come out. For the word of the Lord once sent forth will not return to him void, but it will accomplish what it's sent forth to do. And some of those seeds are about to be brought in by the, by the great good shepherd. He's about to reel them in. You watch and see. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Anyway, so I would sing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I learned it on the piano. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul and guides me in his righteousness for his name's sake. I see you singing that with me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Any, any Keith Green lovers in the house? Hallelujah. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. You know, this was a psalm that David wrote after he'd become king. Many of the psalms, in fact, all of the psalms were written once David was sent out uh, on the run away from Saul and his life after the, the um, 
attacks and rejection are documented in the Psalms, but David was a psalmist long before the psalms began to be documented. He would sing to the Lord out in the wilderness on the sheep, uh, looking after the sheep as a shepherd. And he himself, that was his occupation as a young, young man. He was a shepherd. And we know that, that when Samuel called for all the brothers to see who was being anointed to be king, David wasn't even invited. He was just left out there with the sheep. And yet, finally, Samuel said, it's none of these. Is there anyone else? And the father says, oh, well, I've got one more. He's uh, the youngest. He's out there looking after the sheep. Well, we won't sit down till he comes. And David comes. And we read later that when he's about to face Goliath, he says, I slew the lion and the bear. And this Goliath, this giant will be just like one of those. It's by the power of God. And he, he found things in the wilderness. He found uh, experience with the Lord that would keep him instead for the rest of his life. And, you know, it's often in those wilderness times that we find the communion with God, that which cannot be taken from us. Those things, that history with God that no one can take with us. And the key of David is that he was able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one that looks after me. He is my shepherd. He had a personal connection with the Lord. It wasn't he is the shepherd. He didn't know about God and believe in his existence only. He had this personal relationship with the Lord, this glorious heart connection where he knew God as the one thing. You read Psalms like Psalm 27 that was written while he was out in the wilderness and the armies were coming against him and people that he had fought for and risked his life for were turning against him. And he'd sing things like, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom will I be afraid? He'd say, one thing I've desired, this shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on his beauty. He'd say, I would have lost hope had I not believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And as you look through David's Psalms, you keep hearing these faith statements like, my God hears me, I know he is, he hears me and he is my deliverer. My God, um, he is so faithful and he declares all these magnificent statements of faith that come out not because things are going great, but because he has a connection with the one who he knows will never fail him. This one who will never let my enemies triumph over me. This one in whose house I have entered. You know, in the Middle East, if someone is, crosses the threshold and you bring someone into your house, it's a cultural thing that you are there for their protector. You are looking after them while they are in your house. And this is God's intention for us, that we would come into the kingdom of God through the door, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and come into the house of God and know that forever and ever, we can know that God is for us who can be against us. Hallelujah. And then, so as king... I mean, as you read the life of David, you'll know it was not uneventful. 
And in fact, there was always things going on. It didn't suddenly end happily ever after. He was always facing things. And yet, he had access to this glorious river of the delight of God. He had access to the strength of the Lord that he had found in places that were so hard and so difficult that he had no one, no one but God. Like at Ziklag, when even his best friends were talking about stoning him, it was so bad, and yet David strengthened himself in the Lord his God because he had this divine connection. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He is my provider. He will take care of me. He will provide everything I need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. I've been to Israel, and I think about Israel or the Judean wilderness, and I don't think of green pastures and still waters. Anybody been to Israel? You don't think of green pastures and still waters. In fact, it's a wilderness. There's a river, it's not enormous actually, and, um, and the occasional stream, but green, lush, green pastures are just not something you see a lot of. The, the shepherds have to take the sheep from one little feeding patch to another, and still waters, that's like a pool of water, it's just not something you see in the Judean wilderness. But he leads me beside the still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. The only way you'd really find green pastures and still waters in the Judean wilderness is if there's an oasis. And you know, I believe the Lord wants us to know that he, as our good shepherd, doesn't, doesn't take us from survival to survival, but he brings us into a place that is lush and green and in the midst of all the harsh terrain around you, he provides for you a place of green pastures and still waters. He comes and he restores your soul doesn't mean that everything goes perfect all the time. We know that. In this world, we do have troubles, and the life of David is a, a very clear example of that. But in the midst of it, he makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he restores my soul. You know, there's a lot of people, I meet them, and they have, they, they have reduced capacity or they're really on edge. And the reason is generally because they have a big pile already on the inside in their soul that just the, the next thing, one more thing is the straw that'll break the camel's back. That, that if I have to just do one more thing, I don't know, I've been there. You know, those days where you've got all the problems and all the things and, you, and, and then there's just one more thing and you snap it. I have, I have done that. And anybody else know? Yes, you understand, okay? There's, <laughs> there's, there's a pile. 
that needs to be dealt with in order for you to continue to have capacity just for life. And so God needs to help us come in, lead us beside the still waters, make us to lie down in the green pastures so that he can restore our soul. Experts tell us that sheep actually will not lie down unless they feel completely safe, that they've got everything they need, they've got enough food, they totally know that they're completely safe from predators. Otherwise, they will just stay on their feet looking for the next bit of grass and, and looking out to see if they're in danger. The beauty of God is that he comes and he brings such peace, such rest, that we can find the safe place. I remember going to a meeting once years ago, a pastor's meeting, and I, I was just dealing with a lot of things. And I walked in and I was putting on my brave face. Hello, everybody. How are you? Yes, nice to meet you. Yes, yeah, great. Hey. And then my friend Charles Stock saw me. I hadn't seen him for ages. He put out his arms and he went, Catherine. And I, I, I came over and I burst into tears. I thought, how did that happen? I'm so, I got my pastor's face on. I've, how did he get under my defenses? And I realized it's because he carries the presence of Jesus. He carries the presence of the Father. And when I get in the presence of the Father, I'm safe. I don't have to have any defenses. I'm safe. And I made a, a decision right then when I, I went back to the hotel and talked to God about it. I'm like, God, like seriously, how did that happen? And he told me he carries my presence and you feel safe in my presence. I thought, right, I want to be that person. I want to be that person that when people get close to me, they just feel that same atmosphere of heaven where they feel uncondemned, unjudged, and completely loved, completely safe. Hallelujah. But our God, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He restores our soul. And for me, that looks like I have to be intentional to do that. It's an invitation. You can carry your burdens or you can come to him and cast your cares upon him. In fact, he tells you, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. He's our ever-present help in time of need. But we have to humble ourselves and recognize I have need of your help. So I come before him and I put out all the broken pieces of my heart. I put out all the requests. I put out all the stresses, all the worries, all the fears, founded and unfounded. I put them all out there on the altar and let his fire come. And then as his fire comes, he takes the broken pieces. He takes the requests. He takes the fears, the anxieties, the worries. And in their place on the divine exchange table, is left peace, hope, joy, healing, freedom, revelation, supernatural peace, so that I have the capacity to be filled again with all the fullness of God, so that I have the capacity to do all that he has laid up in advance for me to do. Hallelujah. But if I don't do it, then I run a little skinny on the uh, 
output and the flow of the river when it comes to dealing with people. God wants to restore your soul on a daily basis so that you have more capacity than you could ever ask, hope, or imagine. Hallelujah. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Hallelujah. You don't have to fuss and worry. Oh, am I making it happen? Is my life going to count? Oh, how am I going to see the fulfillment of the promises? But as you come and you let him make you lie down in green pastures, restore your soul, he promises, I'll lead you. I'll lead you in the paths of righteousness. It's for my name's sake. He says, it's for my glory that you fulfill your purpose on earth. It's for my glory that you find the path and the track. Hallelujah. And he will lead you in the right tracks because the enemy will always try to lead you in the wrong ones. He'll offer all sorts of temptations, but he'll also come and try and get you to, uh, and, and put you on a train of thought that'll take you all sorts of places that you never wanted to go. You know, if you don't actually take control, the enemy, he takes advantage. And so instead of saying, um, oh God, I keep having these thoughts, you can come to him and say, thank you, Lord, you lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. So every time I start having a train of thought that's taking me down a track that I didn't sign up for, that isn't healthy, that is taking me back to stress and worry and anxiety, I have to say, hey, I didn't sign up for this. No, I didn't get on this train. I'm not, no. He leads me in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you, you, God, have thoughts from the throne for me right now. Lord, you have weapons of, of warfare that are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. You, Holy Spirit, will give me uh, scripture to begin to speak out and to declare, to begin to remember the promises of God. You have given me a way of escape out of every temptation, and he will do it. Hallelujah, for he's faithful. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Praise the Lord. Your rod and your, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Praise the Lord. You know, it's normal to feel afraid when stuff happens, when things go on, and when things come to intimidate you or scare you. The emotion is normal. It's, it's, if, if you are afraid, it's, it's a normal emotion. But we don't have to live in a place of continuous fear. When difficulty comes, we can say, thank you, Lord. You are with me. Okay, Father, I thank you right now. I don't have to be afraid because I am in your house. And even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't be afraid because I know you're here and that you have your rod and your staff. And your rod and your staff are to protect me and beat off anything that would try to come against me. So I can declare, though an army encamp against me, in this I will be confident. 
I can have absolute confidence that no matter if I am surrounded, I can have confidence that God is for me, who can be against me. That even if I get a bad diagnosis, even if um, things fall apart in the family and this happens or that happens or, or you lose your job or something terrible happens, rather than falling apart, you can be that one who has built your life on the rock and say, thank you, God, you are for me. Who can be against me? I bring the shame, pain, disgrace, disappointment. I bring it to the altar. I bring it to the divine exchange table. And you said, Lord, you will give me double for my trouble. You said, Lord, double recompense. Hallelujah. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. In the presence of my enemies, in the, in the midst of the difficulties, God doesn't want you wringing your hands and running to everybody and trying to feed the victim mentality. He wants you to recognize, hey, this is going to be good. Hallelujah. The worse it looks, the more of God there is. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The more opportunity for supernatural breakthrough there is. He's given me everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's laid a banqueting table before me in the presence of my enemies. So I go and I lift up my eyes to you. Father. Oh, I tell you, the devil runs scared when he hears you do that. You only look with eyes of faith at him, Father. And the enemy knows it's all over, Red Rover. <laughs> ah, she can't be fooled. There is a banqueting table for her, even in the midst of this mess. <laughs> Revelation 6, 6. I mean, you read that, that chapter. It's pretty hectic. Like, I mean, it's in the middle of all the bowls and scrolls and scary stuff. It's in the middle of all the, you know, food running out and all the stuff happening. And the Lord says, do not harm the oil and the wine. In the midst of the worst of the worst, you can get happy. <laughs> I have mandated access. The Lord's spoken. It doesn't matter how bad things might look. You have access to the divine banqueting table. You have access to a table that's been laid for you in the presence of your enemies. You have access to oil and wine, joy and abundant provision, no matter what might be going on. So if you are really getting worked up and caught up and worried and thinking and planning, how am I going to survive? God says, don't worry, I've already mandated you're going to have the oil and the wine that you can't, you don't even have to worry about this because I am your shepherd and I will take care of you. Hallelujah. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. That's extravagant. Like not just a bit, not enough just to keep you going. My cup runs over. Not just $5 in the petrol tank. Abundance. Because he's our provider. He's the one who says, 
I will take care of you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Hallelujah. You know, they tell the story of the man that was crossing the, the ocean from England to America and, and he, he brought his crackers and cheese and rationed it and was trying to, you know, ration it out to last the whole trip until finally someone came and said, you know what, you, you, you know your ticket covers you to be able to eat three meals a day in at the dining room. It had already been paid for, but because he didn't know it and didn't access it, he was living on just a little bit of cheese and a little cracker the survival mentality. I tell you, the Holy Spirit is about to release revelation of the abundance of the house of God, the oil and the wine and the banqueting table beyond what we've understood. Hallelujah. And it is supernatural. Oasis in the desert, it is supernatural no matter what it looks like. So the people of God have no business getting anxious and worried about the headlines because you are a special case you can pray for everybody hallelujah but you're you're a special case you are a privileged person you know why because the Lord is your shepherd and your shepherd knows all the oases. Your shepherd has laid a banqueting table before you in the presence of your enemies. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord under his protection all the days of your life. Hallelujah. And then forever and ever and ever and ever with him in eternity. Praise the Lord. Our magnificent Lord, surely goodness and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. You can sing it when people come and say, aren't you worried? Surely goodness and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. Well, aren't you concerned about this? Aren't you worried? <laughs> he lays a banqueting table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> I get to sit down and enjoy more than I can take. I want to finish today's program by sharing this powerful testimony. Our friend's life was saved by the voice of God. I want you to just share the testimony because I thought that was so amazing. Yeah, so Monday night, felt this word. It, uh, of Holy Spirit just saying, you know, go and sleep on the couch. And, and I thought, uh, it seems kind of odd to go sleep on the couch. And it kind of stuck with me for a few minutes to the point well, I just went with it and kind of grabbed my blanket and 
went to the couch and felt kind of silly doing it because I don't sleep on the couch really. And literally less than five minutes later, I heard this super loud just cracking and splintering of timber outside. This giant gum tree crashed into the side of the house and just right on top of my bedroom where I was just a few minutes earlier. I just sat there just, just like, wow, thank you, Jesus, is, is the only thing you can say. The Lord saved his life by speaking to him and through his obedience. I want to encourage you, listen to the voice of God. He is for you and he wants to protect you.